Amen. Thank you. And um, great to be here. Good to see you nine o'clockers this morning. Uh, like, you just didn't know, did we, who was going to roll up and who was going to choose the nine? So there's obviously an extra blessing for nine o'clock people because of the extra early morning. So you know the Lord is with you guys. And um, I'll obviously say the same thing to the 11 o'clockers as well. But, you know, you don't have any favorite children, do you? Or do you? Um, We are uh, starting a new series, and we're going to spend this term looking at it. And it's based out of this little book, um, Bless Five Everyday Ways to Love Your Neighbor and Change the World, which is a little bit ambitious and maybe a bit American, and change the world, you know. But I think the point is, it's... When God called Abraham, right at the beginning, he said to him, I'm going to bless you, and you will be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And so I'm going to bless you, and you're going to bless other people. And um, later in the New Testament, we're told that God had declared the gospel early on to Abraham. So in other words, this, you know, the gospel essentially is the blessing of God to you, And then through you, that blessing passed on to other people. It's a very simple idea. God gives you good stuff, and you give good stuff to the people around you in the world. And in that way, the world is changed. And what we're going to do this term is we're going to kind of look at some ideas out of this little book. Um, B-L-E-S-S, bless. B is begin with prayer. Very catchy. L is listen to people. E is eat with people. One of my favorites. Um, S is serve people, and the other S is share your story with people. And we're going to be looking at this this term. And um, you could buy the book. You can find it on Amazon or online, wherever you normally uh, find stuff. You can get it on Kindle or uh, paperback. So if you want to get hold of a copy, it it could bless you because um, there's loads of kind of little workbooky spaces where you can write down people's names that you're praying for and thinking about and that kind of thing. But we're not going to force you to buy it, but if you'd like to buy it, you're free, right? Um, and, and the other thing really that we'd like you to think about this term is pick your primary context into which you can be a blessing. Okay, so I'll give you three options. And it's where are you spending time and connecting with people? It could be your neighborhood, so your street. We've talked a lot about meet your street. It could be that you say, my primary context is my neighborhood, where I live my road, my neighbors, so love my neighbor is literally my neighbor. Um, So it could be that your primary context is your neighborhood. It could be that your primary context is your place of work, because that's where you spend all your time, that's where you interact with people, you have lunch with people at work, you go out for drinks on a Friday afternoon after work, and that's a place where you have opportunity to bless people. Or it could be your kind of what they call the third space, So where you socialize, where you hang out, where you have leisure. So first space is where you live, second space is where you work. Kind of your third space is where you kind of spend all your time and all your money. Um, And so it could be that in your squash club or your chess club or your salsa dancing evenings or whatever it is that you do, um, that that's the place where you want to hang. And it could be that in those spaces you're by yourself. It could be that in, in those spaces, you're with another believer or someone else from church. So obviously, where you live, it may be there's other believers on your street. It may be that you're there with your family. Um, it, it, some guys I know from the church go cycling together or go to the gym together. So it could be that you're partnering with someone else from the family of God to be a blessing into that space. So the first thing you need to think about as we come into this term 
is what's my primary context going to be? Don't try and be a blessing in all your spaces. Just pick one for this term, okay? So that's something to think about. What space are you going to be a blessing in? And then what we're going to do is on Sundays, we're going to look at this. In our life groups, we're going to look at this. And we're just going to be thinking about how we're being a blessing to people. I mean, wasn't it incredible to hear 120th family in Reading debt-free through the CAP Center. It's wonderful. When people get debt-free through the CAP project, they get a little card in the post that says, oh, happy day. You know, because you just think you've been fighting this massive shadow of debt, and people have served and loved and talked and prayed you free of debt. It's a big moment. And, um, and so, just as a, a, an introduction, really, to this, this series, this idea, B-L-E-S-S, um, just taking the example of Jesus, who did all of these things and came into the world to be a blessing to people. Um, on the B, begin with prayer. That's what we're going to look at today. But Jesus, before he did things, he would spend time praying. And then when he did things, they had spiritual impact because he's gone and he's got that from God. And that's what we're going to look at today as the first session. Jesus was very good at listening to people, the L. So not just talking at people, but listening. You know, I'm always fascinated by the story where he meets the blind man. And the blind man is sitting there, and Jesus goes up to him and goes, what do you want me to do for you? And so I just think, come on. <laughs> He's blind. You're good at healing people. It's kind of obvious. But Jesus wants to ask him the question. He wants to hear his story. He doesn't want to just assume and turn up and go, I've come to sort all your problems out. He wants to listen to people, engage, hear their story. And, you know, Christians are given two of these and one of these. And that's a sign from God of how we're supposed to relate to the world, right? At least two-thirds of your time listening and one-third of your time talking. Are you like that? James says people should be quick to listen and slow to speak. And so listening is a, is a key skill, particularly in a lonely world, right? So the local authority have identified some of the needs in this neighborhood in South Reading, Whitley, and one of the key needs is loneliness for people. People just want to talk. They want to engage. They want to share their heart with people. Janine has been saying to me that um, when they go out on the streets on a Saturday um, and kind of op offer the opportunity for people to talk to them, so often, the key skill is listening. And just people just want to talk. They just want to get stuff off their chest. And so Christians should be great listeners. Amen? So that's the L-E. Jesus was very good at eating with people. Wherever you open your Bible, Jesus is eating food with people. And in fact, he said, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. It's like this was his mission strategy. I'm going to go into the world, and I'm going to eat with people and drink with people and see how many I can eat and drink with. And I just think, I love Jesus. He's my hero. I want to be like you, Lord. And um, that doesn't always have to be inviting people into your house and cooking a big fancy meal. You know, I think as we go on and we look at this, it could be just meeting someone for a coffee, meeting someone in the pub for a pint. It could be dropping some food around to one of your neighbors. But I just think food has this incredible, I would say, spiritual power. And I know you're going to say, oh, Andy will always talk about food, right? But I think it does. Jesus said, I came eating and drinking. Food has this ability to bring people together. It's a grace from God. It relaxes people. Hospitality opens people up. It takes things from being transactional to being relational. It slows things down. 
And so eating with people is a really key skill for Christians. Amen? Um, and then you've got S, which is serving people. And again, Jesus said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And the church in a community is here to serve our community. And there are many ways, kind of projects, initiatives as a church that we're trying to do that. But as individual Christians spread across Reading, that's also what we're here to do. We're here to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to represent him. To go, what are the needs where I live? How can I serve people? How can I bless people? Amen? And then the final one is share your story. And um, really, in terms of sharing with people, it's a very simple thing, actually. We're called to be a witness. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. And all a witness does is tell their, tell their story, tell what they saw. Right? In fact, in a court of law, if a witness gets carried away and tells more than what they saw, they're not doing their job very well on the stand. The jury would be like, no, shut up. All we want to hear is what you saw. And the, the man born blind in John chapter 9, for example, um, you know, the Pharisees are going, oh, what do you think about him? Is he the Messiah? And he says, look, all I know is I was blind and now I see. All I know is this is what happened in my life. That's what I can tell you. And, and that's what we're called to do is to share our story, to tell people what we've seen, what God's done. Okay, so that's the B-L-E-S-S. -S, and they're supposed to be simple tools that we're talking about just to help us this term think about how can we be a blessing in the spaces that we live. Is that okay? Does that make sense? That's where we're going, this term. And um, today, we're looking at the first one, which is begin with prayer. And um, I think what we're going to say is this, this term, let's try and just think every day, almost ask yourself the question every day, write it on your mirror where you shave or whatever, how can I be a blessing? Just ask yourself the question every day, how can I be a blessing? And um, when life groups gather in the week, maybe you can ask each other. You know, there are hundreds of people in this church meeting in life groups across the town of Reading. Maybe you can ask each other, have you been a blessing this week? Have you blessed someone? Have you employed one of these practices that we're going to talk about? Very simple stuff, right? And um, every Sunday here, we've invented a new word for you. And we're going to share blessing testimonies, which are blessedimonies. <laughs> and really need to be said like this. I have a blessedimony. <laughs> but um, we're going to encourage you every Sunday, there's going to be an opportunity to come and just go, God used me to bless someone this week. And it's not, it's not flexing, it's not blagging, it's, it's not like, oh man, I blessed some people this week, aren't I awesome? It's just going, we've been praying for opportunities to bless people, and this happened this week. I helped an old lady cross the road. Hallelujah. Yeah? And so, we're going to bring our blessed monies, and let's see what could happen this term. Let's see what God could do through us this term, an army of ordinary people here in the town of Reading. Amen? Okay, so today... We're doing B, begin with prayer. And um, again, very simply, Jesus begins with prayer. Here's the scripture. Uh, Luke 6, 11 to 16 from the NLT. At this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples, and he chose 12 of them to be apostles. And here are their names. 
Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew, Peter's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. And so in these verses, Jesus prayed all night on a mountainside. There's no mountains in Reading, but you can pray in your house and turn your heating on or whatever. Prayed all night, and then in the morning, he called these 12 guys to him. It's a very simple couple of verses. But Jesus, he begins with prayer. And um, I don't know which way around it was. I don't know if it was tomorrow I'm going to call these 12 apostles. So before I do this important thing, I'm going to spend all night praying. Or if it was the other way around. And it was he spent all night praying. And out of that night of prayer, he got this sense that tomorrow I need to call these 12 apostles. So I don't know if it was prayer before action or action that came out of prayer. But the point is very clear. Prayer and action are connected. There's praying, and then out of that prayer, there's action. And they're connected here in the story of Jesus. And um, it's all night praying, all night praying. Ever prayed all night? All night praying. And then probably just a few moments calling out 12 guys. Loads of prayer, little bit of talking. And, and blessing people is like an iceberg. I've got a picture of an iceberg. I really wanted to have a picture of an iceberg lettuce floating, but I thought that would confuse people, so it's an actual iceberg. And as you know, icebergs are nine-tenths under the water, hidden secret, and then the bit that you see is one-tenth, right? And this really represents what it's like as a Christian to be a blessing. Nine-tenths of the way that you bless will be by praying. It will be secret. It will be hidden. It will be in the secret place. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Nine-tenths of what you do is secret. It's in prayer. It's hidden. It's under the surface. But that renders the one-tenth of chatting to your neighbor, of approaching someone, of dropping a little word here and there. It renders it fruitful. So Jesus prayed all night, and then he called 12 guys. Do you understand? And um, I want to just look at uh, a few things about prayer. This is like dead simple stuff, right? But let's make sure we're doing the simple stuff. And so just a few things about prayer that we see in these verses that help us when we think about being a blessing. Number one, prayer opens you up to the unexpected. So Jesus prays all night, and then when he picks the guys, he picks some obvious guys. So he picks the Galilee gang, Peter, Andrew, James, John. These are guys that are from where Jesus is from. They're kind of an obvious fit. Of course he's going to pick them. But then he picks some real outliers. Bartholomew, Matthew. You don't pick guys like that. You know, if you read your gospel, you realize Matthew is a really unexpected person to be in the mix. He's a tax collector. He works for the Romans. He's a traitor. He's an enemy. Jesus picked him. So one, maybe Jesus had the kind of obvious list. 
But then he prayed all night, and, and praying opens you up to the unexpected. And he was like, do you know what? I think I need to pick Bartholomew and Matthew as well. And so what prayer does is it moves you from the kind of obvious that you can get to in your own brain, and it opens you up a little bit to the unexpected. It creates a space for God to speak and maybe say some stuff that you, didn't, you weren't expecting him to stay. And um, I quite like this. Some of you will like this example. Some of you will hate it. Tough, right? Some psychologists, they talk about left brain and right brain. And your left brain is actually your logical space. It's the space where you do calculations and maths and you think things through. Your right brain is the kind of the spontaneous, the unexpected, the intuitive side of your brain, right? Someone somewhere, as an idea of fun, took someone praying and plugged them into a machine that looks at your brain and realized that when they were praying, they switched from left brain into right brain. And so they, they, they shifted over to the more spontaneous, intuitive kind of open side. Music does the same thing. It's one of the reasons we sing in church. It opens us up to, to the spontaneous. It gets you out of your calculated, planned way of living. Particularly for cerebral, intelligent people like you, things like this are really important, actually. Okay? And so what happens is you get this openness to different options because you could calculate how to bless people and have a logical plan. I know this person. I know this person. But when you're praying... God might go, how about this idea? How about this option? How about that person? And suddenly drop something into your right brain that you weren't expecting. Does that make sense? And so praying opens you up to the unexpected. When we were new and fresh and uh, newly married, uh, we had one child living in West London, Jess and I, and then we were pregnant with the second child. And... Um, uh, we were living in a flat, we were renting a flat that was like just our bedroom. We've got one kid in there. And so we're praying, God, we need a bigger place to live in because we've got another kid coming. But we need it for less money because we've got less income, right? So this is the prayer. God, I can't work out with my left brain how we're going to get a bigger place to live for less money. But that's the prayer. And as we're praying about it, God drops this idea on us about this guy we knew who was looking for somewhere to live. And said, why don't you have him come and live with you? Then you could rent a bigger place, but he could pay some of the rent. And so we got a bigger place, but it was actually costing us less money. It was a solution to us that we hadn't thought of. And it was a blessing to this guy. Because it was an answer to his prayer as well. And so you pray, and God drops ideas on you that were outside of your ability to plan them, right? And um, so you, it's like you're opening a door out of your small, limited brain into God's wisdom. And God said, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And God's infinite wisdom is accessible to us, friends, in prayer. The second thing, prayer brings people to mind. I told you this was simple stuff. When you pray, people come to mind. In fact, sometimes you think, I don't know what to pray about. I'll tell you what to do. Start praying anyway. And when you start praying, people will come to mind. And then you can start praying for them. So rather than going, I've got this thing I need to pray about, go, I need to pray. Because that's what Christians do. I'm going to go pray. And as I pray, people are going to come to mind. And what I do, I keep a little bit of paper there. 
and a pen, because I'm old school. And as I pray, as people come to mind, I pray for them, but I write their name down. Just write it down. So that later, when I'm not in praying mode and I'm in doing mode, I can go, okay, these people popped into my mind. What do I need to do? Do I need to call someone, text someone, visit someone, bake someone a cake? Actually, I'll pass that one on to Jess. She can do that. But, like, why did God bring these people to mind? How can I bless them? Right? And so when you pray, people come to mind. This takes the pressure off us. Because you may be sitting there thinking, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to bless. I don't know any people. I live by myself. I work at home. I don't, there's no people in my world, right? Pray. As you pray, God will bring people to mind. As God brings people to mind, pray for them. Nine-tenths prayer. <laughs> Write their name down. And when you're not praying and you're in doing mode, think to yourself, okay, what can I do for this person? Does that make sense? Number th uh, just going to show you this map. This is from the book. This book has a few little tools that it gives us. The who is my neighbor map, okay? So you've picked your context. If it is your street where you live, a task you could set yourself. This is like fun stuff, right? A if you were bored and you didn't know what to do this term with your life, you can go, how can I figure out what people's names are around where I live? So I know that neighbor's name. I know that neighbor's name. I know them. Never talk to that person. Right, I'm going to set myself a challenge. I'm going to figure out what their name is by Christmas. Then at Christmas, I can write them a Christmas card with their name on it, right? If your context is your workspace, you might be thinking, I know who works at that desk and that desk, but that person over there, don't know their name. I'm going to find out what their name is. I'm going to give myself a challenge. And if your context is your, your playing space, your third space, then equally, you may be, I see that guy at the gym every Tuesday, we say all right to each other, but I don't know his name. Let me find out. Okay, and so you could take a map like this and just set yourself the task. Can you grab some people's names so that you can pray for them? So that you can pray for them, right? We ran an alpha course a couple of years ago, and just when we were preparing to run it, we felt God speak to us about seeing 40 guests come on this alpha. And so as an alpha team, again, you pray before you play, we'd spent, we spent six weeks praying together and then six-week alpha course. Okay, so it wasn't nine and one, but it was 50-50. Six weeks praying for the course and then six weeks running the course. But every week we'd get together, we had a big bit of paper, we'd put it in the lounge floor, and we were writing people's names on it. You know, we heard this person was interested in Alpha. George said he had a cousin he wanted to invite on Alpha. Write them down. And then we're praying every week. And every week, this bit of paper's getting bigger and bigger. And we're praying them in. And on the first week of Alpha, we were kind of expecting who was going to be there. Because we've prayed them in. We've won them in prayer. We're going through ticking them off on our little bit of paper. Do you see what I mean? So pray before we play. Writing stuff down can really help. You might want to do that as a life group this term. You might want to go, let's pray for some people as a group that we're going to be blessing this term. Let's write their names. Let's pray for them every week. Number three, prayer gives you faith or confidence to take the next step. So verse 11 created a bit of a scary context here. It said the people were angry some of the leaders, and they were, they were figuring out how to attack Jesus. So this is like an actual scary, there's a real thing to be scared of here. What does Jesus do? He goes and prays all night. And then out of that, he takes a step and he calls these 12 guys. And so 
when praying, there comes an atmosphere of faith, a courage, a sense of the presence of Emmanuel. There's a change of feeling that comes in your heart when you pray. You get courage to pray. You see that all the time in the book of Acts. It's like the disciples are threatened, they gather to pray, and then the next thing we see, they had boldness and they were out sharing the gospel. So where did they get that? In prayer, right? It may be that you're saying, the thing that would stop me being a blessing to people is fear. I'm, I'm, I'm scared of talking to people. I'm an introvert. Um, some fear is rational. Here in the passage, these guys have genuine, there's genuinely going to hurt Jesus. There may be genuine reasons why you're afraid to talk to people. Some fear is irrational, and it's just kind of coming out of your worry of what might happen. And particularly for British people, there can be a fear of upsetting or offending people. I don't want to step on any toes, don't want to ruffle any feathers, don't want to rock the boat. Uh, some of these very British little sayings that express uh, a fear of offending and being impolite. The way to get over all of these obstacles is prayer. Bring your fear to God. God, I'm, I, I want to be a blessing to people, but I'm afraid. Some of it's real, some of it's imagined. Help me. And courage comes, confidence comes, so that you can go and ask someone what their name is or how you can serve them. Number four, prayer wins anointing for the next step. I, I like to imagine this passage as Jesus, he prays all night. He's been in the presence of God all night, close to God, talking to him. And there's a sense of like the, the, the fresh oil of God on him. There's an authority and a power. There's a spiritual impartation because he's been in the presence of God all night. So when he stands on that little mountainside the next morning and calls people to him, they come. <laughs> they respond because there's, a, there's a, something spiritual has happened in the presence of God and there's an anointing on him that people respond to. And we see this. Uh, this is the way they described Jesus. So Peter says of Jesus in Acts, he says, haven't you heard how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power? And he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So Peter's saying, we saw something in Jesus that God was with him. And people could see that and he had an impact. And so this helps us remember that being a blessing is a spiritual activity. It's not primarily about you thinking to yourself, who can I bless, and then going off and trying to do something. It's primarily something that comes out of praying. Nine-tenths, one-tenth, seriously. Comes out of praying. It keeps it spiritual because that can have an impact with people that lasts for a long time. When I was a brand new Christian, I was living in India. Don't ask, it's a long story. Um, I was 18, and I met this anointed guy. I'd never met anyone like him before. I still have a, an image of him in my mind. I only know, knew him for a few weeks. His name was Sam. He was Malayali from the south of India. He, and he was a man of prayer, anointed guy. And he said something to me in one of our little conversations that's always stayed with me. And he said to me, the verse from the book of Samuel where it said, and God didn't let any of Samuel's words fall to the ground. 
And for some reason, the words of this guy, Sam, about the prophet Samuel, um, lodged in my spirit and stayed with me. And I think it's because he said it under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to me. It didn't just lodge in my memory or in my kind of knowledge bank. It, it lodged in my spirit, like a little... You know, sometimes you get a splinter under your finger and it doesn't go away. And this was, it, but it was like a splinter in my spirit and it stayed with me all these years. And it's because it's, it's a word spoken with the kind of fresh oil of the anointing of the spirit on it. Does that make sense? And, and so sometimes you can just say a little something to someone in your workplace, in your neighborhood. But because it's come out of a place of prayer, because it's spiritual... It can have an impact on them in their spirit that will stay with them for years and years and years. And you do not know what God will do. And so when we talk about blessing people, it's begin with prayer. Obviously, every week the person's going to say, this is the most important step, right? I'm doing prayer. I'm telling you prayer is the most important step. But the, the word wins here, prayer wins an anointing for you, is carefully chosen. Before I preach... I don't spend lots of time on the Sunday morning trying to make sure my notes are in order and that I know what I'm going to say. I spend lots of time on a Sunday morning praying in tongues. Hours and hours and hours. Why? Because I want it to have an impact in people's spirits. I want to, get an anoint I want to win an anointing from God. And I think that should be the same for us when we're out in the world doing our thing. You're just looking to come out of prayer with the fresh dew of heaven on you and go... How can I be a blessing? It's exciting, right? Wake up in the morning. How can I be a blessing today? What's God going to do? And then finally, fifthly, prayer is to a person. So there's this weird phrase in the passage that we read where Luke says, Jesus went on a mountainside and spent all night in prayer to God. And that feels a little bit redundant. Of course prayer is to God. But I think he's emphasizing it because it's in contrast to the prayer of the Pharisees in other chapters, which is just called prayer, which is kind of routine and mechanical. You know, we're praying, that's what we do. I'm just going to say my prayers. And so he's emphasizing, no, no, it's not just prayer that we're talking about. It's prayer to God. It's prayer to a person. It's prayer to our Father in heaven. Amen? And, and it's emphasizing here that prayer is not it's not like a vending machine. We were at A&E the other night, all night. As you know, with the Royal Barks A&E, the vending machine there is Dodge. And um, I was hungry. I, only a little, I was biding my time because I knew we were going to be there for hours. At the right moment, I thought, this is it. I'm going to get my Maltesers. Put my little coin in. Maltesers comes out of the vending machine and just hangs there. I'm... Um, Everyone's there, you know, you're sort of, you're kicking the machine, you're trying to tilt it, like, they know I'm a pastor, what's going to happen here? I gave up, really sad. And, um, but sometimes with prayer, we can think it's like that. We think it's mechanical. We think, I put my coin in, where's my Maltesers? God. We get angry at God, trying to shake him, you know, tilt him. God, where's my Maltesers? And, um... The point is, it's prayer to God. It's relationship. And um, why did Jesus pray all night? Maybe because five minutes prayer didn't do it. It wasn't, it wasn't the kind of praying where it's like, 
here you go, I've put, my, I've put my request in, I've got my answer and I'll carry on with my day. Sometimes God wants us to spend time with him. He dangles the Maltesers a little bit, but he does it because he wants to spend time with him. It's prayer to God. And um, so there's just five little things about prayer that I hope encourage us to say when we're going to bless people, we begin with prayer. And in fact, to be really honest, if you spent this term praying for your community more and didn't actually talk to anyone, that would be a good beginning. That would be okay. That, we're nine-tenths of the way there then, right? Because blessing people starts with praying for them. Simple stuff, guys. And finally, just, and then we're gonna, Mo is going to lead us into uh, communion and we're going to come to the Lord's table. Just to remind us that we've been chosen by God, hand-picked, like, like Jesus called these apostles by name. He's called each one of us by name to be blessed, and to be a blessing. And this morning as I was praying, I was just reminded of a verse from Ephesians 1 that says, Praise be to our God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly places with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In him we were chosen before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And what this verse tells us is in case you doubted it, You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Not necessarily every material blessing. The verse don't say that. Otherwise, you're going, where's my Maserati, right? Every spiritual blessing in Christ, everything you could possibly need has been given you in Christ. But it says it's in the heavenly places. It's in the spiritual dynamic. That means we've got to go into prayer to go find it sometimes. We go get it because we're blessed But it's in the spirit. We're talking about a spiritual thing here, guys. Blessing. And you've been chosen before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And so just as Jesus calls these people by name, John, James, Peter, Andrew, and they come, in the same way, Jesus has called us by name. Pete, Scott, Becky, and we've come. And he said, it's really easy, guys. I've called you to be blessed and to be a blessing. Amen?